Hello, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, Faith to Live By, where each week we seek to add knowledge to our faith so we can be in a position to be vessels through whom Christ works. This podcast is all about helping us gain spiritual victory over life's difficulties. And as a charismatic who is also an apologist, I seek to help us balance rational thought with spiritual realities. Last week with part one of Demonstrating Faith, we considered the importance of learning our place in God's kingdom and his plan for us on earth. We are each created with a unique God-intended purpose and a mission. We need each of us to discover our kingdom purposes and to fully operate in them for the world to truly see Christ in us. As we look at world events, we need God's people to position themselves as never before to reveal God's truth and demonstrate His authority and power. The only way the evil, destructive chaos we've encountered worldwide, especially in this year, can be arrested is for God's people to properly position themselves as soldiers in His army. We've always been in a battle, but this year the evidence of the reign of evil has been displayed as never before in our lifetime. Through faith in Christ, we are more than conquerors, so let's learn how to completely step into this truth. With today's program, I want to make a distinction between what I call essential faith and effective faith, and how both are utterly reliant upon unadulterated truth. Essential faith can also be referred to as saving faith. Without faith in Jesus, it is impossible to please God. Essential faith or saving faith is a prerequisite to being redeemed and placed in a right relationship with God the Father. Effective faith is faith that manifests and demonstrates the authority and power of God, which should be evident in our lives every day. Too many people live only in essential faith. As a result, they unnecessarily live under the weight of sin and suffering. Consider with me, since Christ died to secure for us victory over sin and all that comes with sin, how do you suppose Jesus feels at our settling for less than he died to provide us? No, we need to add to our essential faith what I call effective faith, which is a faith that produces supernatural results. So now, let's learn more about effective faith. In Hosea 4.6, God says in part, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Knowledge, in context here, is the Hebrew word da'ath. You can see that in Strong's number 1847. And the origin is from the Hebrew word yada. Okay, how many of you remember the Jerry Seinfeld sitcom where when a person was relaying a story, instead of saying blah, 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 they said yada, yada, yada. Wait until you hear about the actual Hebrew word yada. I suggest you look up the word for yourself to confirm what I'm about to share and to actually allow the revelation of this word to sink deeper within your mind, heart, and spirit. On the sitcom, the word yada was tossed around as a meaningless word used to simply fill in the blank. In reality, yada is a deeply reverential word. Because Jerry Seinfeld's program was largely produced and staffed by Jewish people, I see great irony in God's declaration that his people perish for lack of yada, lack of knowledge. Understand, in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, we read about Adam knowing his wife, which refers to a direct contact with her in sexual intimacy. 
Let me state here that God has created everything in the natural world to help us discover Him in the spiritual context. Just as intimacy in a marriage is the highest form of knowing a person on earth, spiritual intimacy with God is the highest manner of relating to Him. No wonder the enemy has worked so hard to destroy our understanding of holy matrimony. The word yada refers to both an intellectual awareness or understanding and to know by personal experience. The word yada in the intensive and causative stems is used to express a particular concept of revelation or divine revelation. So to know God or to yada God is to have a divine, intimate, abiding, experiential knowledge or revelation of Him. To know, or yada, God, is to have a divine revelation, an intimate communion, a holy awareness, a holy awareness that allows us to abide in Him and for Him to abide in us. To yada, God, in my opinion, is sacred. This kind of knowledge is sacred. Now, let's reconsider Hosea 4.6, which reads, My people are destroyed for lack of yada. We want, and the world desperately needs to see our faith lived out, to see our faith demonstrated. We all need to see God's authority and power manifest to bring order out of the chaos and elevate righteousness instead of evil in our midst. We are crying out to God to bring revival. When God makes it clear, revival begins in our own hearts, specific to our relationship with Him. You know, relationships require nurture to remain alive and productive. Any relationship that is ignored or simply passively attended will grow cold. If we really want revival and to see God at work in our midst, if we really want to do the greater works that Jesus said we could do, we must first examine our own heart and our relationship with God. Listen, in the book of Revelation, God addressed seven church cities, and I've often thought about these distinctive church cities as representative of the different Christian doctrines we have today. And to each one, God cited something amiss. Let's not think that we are exempt from being found lacking in some way. God points out the lack so the church cities can become aware and take the necessary steps to get it right. Let's take this time of humble consideration of ourselves to also get things right in us, whatever needs correction. How would you characterize your relationship with God? If you have any reservation, any doubt, any unanswered questions, if you are not enjoying an intimate, deeply abiding, experiential, divine relationship with God, He wants you to. He wants you to learn why you aren't so that He can have that kind of yada with you. God wants to relate with you in the deepest manner possible, and in order for Him to do this, you must, I must, be willing. We must have Him as our desire. Consider a marriage relationship. There are many marriages where one person is more committed to the relationship than the other. Well, the same can happen with us in our relationship with God. But since he's perfect, I'm confident he's got his part of the relationship right. If there's anything lacking, we've got to look for it within our own hearts. Effective faith originates with proper knowledge of who we are, who God is, and a proper awareness about his character, his will, and his intention for all of creation. We can state we want to experience more of God in and through us, but are we positioning ourselves for this to actually happen? 
Scriptures state God inhabits the praises of his people. We can't properly praise God without properly knowing him, without a proper yada of him. I especially like the lyrics in a song I heard years ago that said, There is no place low enough for me to bow down to you properly. Such compelling words. I believe it was an original song from the Mosaic Church in Southern California. I'm not sure, but if you know, let me know, please. Effective faith is the demonstration of our yada, or knowledge of, and relationship with God. We need both essential faith and effective faith to apprehend all the promises of God. Therefore, a true and proper faith is a prerequisite for God to work His miraculous ways in and through us. A true and proper faith is necessary to receive God's promises of mercy, forgiveness, salvation, favor, grace, anointing, power, and so much more. When our faith is pure and uncompromising, we will boldly apprehend from God what He has already offered. Effective prayers of faith begin with God in that He reveals His will for us to pursue. We need to understand God wants us to pursue what He has offered us. And that's not to say that we demand of God. No, we must be bold, confident, and convinced with humble and grateful spirits. A true and proper faith is demonstrated with courage and boldness and a determination to beseech God for what he has already indicated he wants us to have. Let's consider the word beseech. To beseech is to ask someone urgently and fervently to do something, implore, entreat, and when it comes to God, We must ask for what he's revealed we can have in the same manner. We must beseech him. It may not be a specific promise we pursue. It may be we need to beseech God on the basis of his revealed character, will, and intentions. This makes me think of Abraham and Moses. You remember, Abraham interceded on behalf of his nephew Lot. We read about this in Genesis chapter 18, verse 17, where God reveals to Abraham that he's going to go down and see if the sin in Sodom is grievous enough to cast judgment. Abraham, who knows all the sins of the city, realizes they are doomed. His nephew is in the city, and his nephew is doomed. And Abraham begins to beseech God on the basis of God's mercy. Genesis 18:22 to 32 details the negotiations between Abraham and God. Abraham begins by beseeching God to spare the city if there are 50 righteous people. Abraham presents his reasoning by saying, quote, "Far be it from thee to do such a thing, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right?" With Abraham's faith in God's character clearly demonstrated, God agrees that he will not destroy the city if he finds 50 righteous. Abraham then asks for the city to be spared if there are only 45 righteous. Abraham humbly states, quote, Behold, I have taken upon myself to speak to the Lord, I who am but dust and ashes. Well then, God agrees to spare the city for 45 righteous people. Abraham then boldly asks for the city to be spared for just 40, and God agrees. Abraham again shows humility and more boldness by saying, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Suppose 30 be found, and God agrees to spare the city for 30. Notice here that Abraham began his negotiations by increments of 5, but now he's asking increments of 10. Abraham asks God to spare the city for 20. And God agrees. 
Abraham then asks to spare the city for 10, and God agrees. And at this point, the scriptures say, the Lord went on his way. This is an excellent example of bold yet humble faith pursuing God for what he's indicated we can have. And in this case, it had to do with Abraham seeking God's mercy. Abraham knew enough about God and his character and his will that he was seeking God, appealing to his mercy. Let's consider the example of Moses. Moses was on Mount Sinai with God when the people got tired of waiting. They gathered themselves together before Aaron, asking him to make them some gods who they would then worship as the one who went before them and brought them out of the land of Egypt. We can read about that in Exodus chapter 32, verse 1. For whatever reason, Aaron did not try to talk them out of their plans and instead instructed them to bring all of the gold from the spoils they were given by the Egyptians from which he fashioned a golden calf to be their god. Aaron built an altar and declared the next day would be the day of feast and worship of this new god. The people arose the next morning and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings, then sat down to drink, and they rose up to play, according to Exodus 32, verses 2 to 6. Knowing what the people were doing, the Lord said to Moses, Go down, for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it's a stiff-necked people. Now therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, in order that I may make a great nation of you. But Moses implored the Lord, his God, and he said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, with evil intent did he bring them out, to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have promised. I will give to your offspring and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken to Moses that he would bring upon his people. Exodus 32, verses 7 to 14. There's so much we can learn about demonstrating faith from these two patriarchs and how to beseech God. First, notice how God tested Moses by saying, Go down, for your people, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. With this test of Moses' faith, he passed successfully. In humility, Moses recognized it was all God's doing and he appeals for the protection of God's reputation among the nations. Moses didn't want the Egyptians to have any valid reason to discredit God. Keep in mind, God will never do anything that would deserve him being discredited. Moses appealed to this part of God's immutable character. Next, Moses reminded God about his promise to Abraham. And again, God was fully aware of his promise to Abraham. What transpired, however, in this exchange was God giving Moses the opportunity to demonstrate his faith in God and his revealed promise to Abraham. Both Abraham and Moses are a type and a pre-shadow of Jesus, the true deliverer. 
Because the faith of both men had been tested prior to these encounters, they had a better understanding about God and his character, his will, and intentions. Based on this learned confidence from prior tests in who God is, they both appealed to God on the basis of his attributes, which pleased God. So let me ask us at this very moment in this podcast, don't you think God has ordained that you and I would be alive at this point in history so that we can be like Abraham and Moses on behalf of God's people? Don't you think you and I both have a part to play in God's plan to bring his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven? I don't have to tell you how bad things are worldwide. Even so, you have been given the power and authority to push back and conquer evil. We cry out to God for revival and reformation, and God is bringing it back to us and wanting us to examine our own hearts and to be prepared and in position just like Abraham and Moses. If you're just joining us, I'm Pam Christian, your host, and you're listening to Faith to Live By with the topic of demonstrating faith. We read in Hebrews 11:6, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. He who comes to God must believe he exists, and he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Faith is developed. The Bible is clear. Each of us is given a measure of faith. Based on the parables of the talents we can read in Matthew 25:14 to 30, we learn God expects us to develop the measure of faith, or any other gift he gives us for that matter, to fortify us, to develop us, and bring increase. This is why God permits the testing of our faith. God does not test our faith to defeat us or humiliate us. No, he tests our faith so that it can be developed. Having lived the life of trials and hardships that I have, I'm convinced every test of our faith we encounter today is intended by God to increase our faith so that we will be fortified to succeed in the trials ahead. Let me repeat that. Every test of our faith we encounter today is intended by God to increase our faith so we will be fortified to succeed in the trials ahead. The greater our faith, the greater the opposition, and the greater the outcome. We have to think of our faith as a muscle that must be exercised in order to be developed. If it is not exercised, it will atrophy, and we will be unable to withstand even the puniest onslaughts from the enemy. Is this helping you? I hope so. I spend my time in prayerful study asking God to give me the messages and the wisdom and insight that will fortify and embolden you, because we are in a battle together. We need each other to be strong in the faith. A lot of us charismatics are so excited to be used by God in the supernatural that we don't realize how to prepare for such a place of honor, authority, and power. We want to jump right into the fun stuff to see the miracles manifest that we don't properly prepare ourselves. When we are faithful with the small things, then God entrusts us with more. Consider the tests of faith Abraham encountered leading up to the greatest one of him being willing to sacrifice his only promised son. Do you think Abraham would have been willing to sacrifice his son within days of his birth? No, God took Abraham through many events to test his faith and cause Abraham to work with God in the process of strengthening his faith. The same is true of Moses. The same is true for all of us. 
We will all have our faith tested time and time again, but this is not to defeat us. Rather, it's to fortify us and develop our faith for even greater kingdom tasks. Again, all faith begins with a proper understanding of ourselves, of God, His character, His will, His intentions, and to know what He wants us to have. When we know what He wants us to have, then we will experience the fulfillment of 1 John chapter 5.14, which says, If we ask anything according to His will, it shall be done. To help you grow in your confidence to boldly ask God for what He wants you to have, I've put a bonus white sheet in the show notes providing the Ask Anything scriptures for you. Be sure to download it. It's a PDF. When God places us in positions to test our faith, He positions us to persevere in the faith, to contend in the faith, to stand firm, believing God for His character, will, and intentions, and of course, His specific promises. I thought I would only give two weeks on the topic of demonstrating faith, but there's more that I want to cover, specific to our need to contend in the faith. So I'll cover more on this next week. But let me wrap up today by introducing you to a new partner of mine. Today, I started out with the verse Hosea 4.6, which says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Without an accurate and proper knowledge of truth itself, we can easily be deceived, which I've talked about in my programs earlier. None of us wants to be deceived, and as parents, the last thing we want is for our children to be deceived. This is why I'm thrilled to introduce to you Todd Bucciarelli. He is the CEO of iBucciCorp and the makers of Movi, an Android mobile parenting app for cell phones and tablets that helps parents protect their children from the internet hazards such as sexting, pornography, child predators, and bullying. Now more than ever, parents need to be diligently aware of the dangers of the Internet in order to protect their children. Knowledge of the potential risks and awareness of the best safeguards are vital. I want to share with you the interview I had with Todd so you can learn more and have the knowledge you need to protect your children and grandchildren. Todd, I want to welcome you. Hi, Pam. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. First of all, Todd, what does MOVI stand for? Well, MOVI is short for Mobile Vigilance. And uh, as you mentioned, parents need to be more vigilant about what is happening on their cell phones today, which are connected to the Internet. I realize that uh, we all know that there are dangers out there on the Internet. But what I've learned is that many of us don't know how bad it really is. Mm -hmm. For instance, social media can foster some very immoral activities that has become quite cultural among young people. And if you don't participate, you may be shunned from your social media group, Mm -hmm. shunned from a boy or a girl that you wanted to talk to. What's even more alarming, Pam, is that there's a hidden culture that parents typically have no visibility to. Moby was designed to enable parents to be vigilant about what's occurring on their kids' cell phones while still allowing kids to have their privacy. And this is why Moby only alerts parents when it identifies inappropriate content or images. Mm Pam, we have a moral obligation to protect our children from the slippery slope of social media, from predators, and from other illicit content on the internet. Moby's a good tool that can help. Absolutely. That's one reason I wanted to make sure my audience was aware of you and your new product. So I want to make sure the audience has a feeling, an understanding of you as an individual. What was your motivation to develop this new app? (laughs) Well, it started when I noticed my kids being very secretive about their cell phones. 
But what really struck me, though, uh, was a conversation I had had with a friend of mine who's a mother. Um, at the time, she had a 13-year-old daughter who was in her last year of middle school. And she was receiving inappropriate pictures from boys, sexual in nature. And she was one of the fortunate mothers because her and her daughter had the type of relationship that she would share this information with. But even she was concerned that maybe, you know, as time changed and she got older or involved with a boyfriend that uh, she might not share as much. But really, the big takeaway, I think, was when she started to explain to me that this wasn't really a one-off thing with this boy or these boys and her. It was actually a cultural thing that had been developing over the years, and parents were just oblivious to it. Mm -hmm. The culture now is that a boy would send a lewd picture as a gesture that he is interested in a girl. And oh my then she would need to reciprocate in order to show mutual interest. Again, we're talking about middle school kids here, so this is quite alarming. It really is alarming, Todd. Yeah. Anyway, it was my becoming aware of what liberties the new generation of youngsters were taking now that they were equipped with this uh, new mobile technology. Well, I know my kids are grown, but I've got grandchildren along the way, so I'm very interested in this. How does this actually work, and how much involvement or control does a parent actually have over the app? Well, it's pretty simple. I mean, Movi directly links the child's mobile phone or tablet to one of the uh, one of the parents' phones. Mm -hmm. So the app is actually installed on both the child and the parent's device. Okay. But what happens is Movi just simply scans every single picture that is displayed on the child's device for inappropriate content. If it detects it, it sends an alert in the parent's phone. Uh, it sends an alert to the parent's phone, and it, along with the actual picture, it blurs out the picture a bit so that it's, if it is inappropriate, it is not uh, um, offensive. Right, right. Uh, what's pretty cool about it, though, is that the detection software uses the latest artificial intelligence technology that we modified specifically for this application. We've got okay. a very talented development team. Okay. It's amazing how well it works. Well, you know, there's a lot of so-called child protection apps out there for parents. What makes Movi different? Why, why would this be the one to choose over the others that are available? Well, Movi is unlike any other app that's out there, actually. Um, it's the only app of its kind that can monitor every single picture that is displayed on your kid's cell phone. So it doesn't really care what social media app the kids are using, what website, or any other kind of picture transmission mechanism that, that might be being used. So if it's displayed on the screen, Moby will scan it and determine if it's inappropriate. I guess you could say it's social media app agnostic. <laughs> that would make sense. I guess no other app would really be able to make that claim. Um, they're always trying to find ways to connect into the other um, social media app or the other mechanism, and they can't cover them all, but Moby does. That is really the big difference. What Moby was designed to do, which we talked about, it does better than anything that's out there. Well, it sounds good, but we have all heard of the many stories about tech-savvy kids bypassing their child protection apps and simply, I guess what they do is they give their parents the sign-in password for one app and then they actually use another one where they can access this inappropriate activity or they can even remove the child protection app from their device altogether. Does Movi address that? It does. Of course it does, Pam. Uh, Movi has built-in anti-tampering capabilities to prevent children from bypassing it. For example, kids cannot force stop the Movi app by using advanced setup features that tech-savvy kids would know about. And, uh, and, and the reason is, is because it's just scanning the screen, so it doesn't matter what app or website came from. 
Um, but uh, but you're right. Um, you know this this issue with um, kids having an alias login that parents are unaware of is a workaround, and it is a concern uh, that can give parents a false sense of security if they are um, if they're if they're using an app and uh, the kids are thwarting it. Um, with Moby, that couldn't be the case, um, and that is because it does read the screen. So um, really, it doesn't make any difference uh, to Moby. Um, whether how, how the content is getting there. So how does a parent learn more about Movi? Well, people listening to this podcast can visit the um, information on your show notes page. And um, there we can uh, give your listeners a special promotion and we'll even give them the opportunity to try it out for free. Oh, that's great. I hope everybody's listening to that. You've got an opportunity because I'm talking to Todd, one of the creators of this wonderful app for parents that you can actually try the product out for free. Okay, I'll have the information for you in my show notes. Todd, I want to thank you so much for sharing about Movi's story with us today and giving my listeners an opportunity to actually try your product. Yeah, thanks for having me, Pam. Absolutely. I'm highly selective about those I partner with or allow to be my sponsors, and I'm pleased to bring Movi to you. I will have the link for you to learn more about Movi in my show notes below and even more information on my Faith to Live by show notes page. I'll provide both links in the show notes. I want to thank you for being part of Faith to Live by. This program is a division of Pamela Christian Ministries, LLC, which offers you my award-winning Faith to Live by book series, our travel division, my speaking and teaching ministry, and my award-winning blog, among other things. Please visit my main, please visit my main website, PamelaChristianMinistries.com. I ask for your support of my ministry work, not by giving to me directly, but by availing of the partners, sponsors, and products listed with the show notes. This way you benefit with the items you purchase, my partners benefit, and I do as well. It's a win-win-win. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the show reach more people and spread the gospel and helps people learn how to best apply their Christian faith. And please know, I want to hear from you. I really do. So look in the show notes and find out how you want to connect with me. If you'd like to be one of my insiders, subscribe to my complimentary bi-monthly e-newsletter. I offer you a choice of a free gift in appreciation for your subscription. And lastly, visit my page for this show, Faith to Live By, at faithtoliveby.com. You can enjoy all of the podcasts and the broadcasts that we've produced so far. I hope you'll join me next week and tell your friends and family to listen right here on Faith to Live By, where we learn how to gain spiritual victory over life's issues. Next week, we will be in part three of learning how to demonstrate our faith. I'm sure we all have mountains we need to move in our lives, so be sure to come back next week for some additional equipping. Until then, I'm Pam Christian asking you to remember, Christ died for us. The least we can do is live for Him.